Well, hello, Watermark family, and hopefully friends that my Watermark family will share this video with if they think it's helpful. Um, it's Monday, it's June 1st, and we are coming um, to the close of a pretty chaotic week in our country, and it's been tragic to watch. Um, I wanted to speak with you because we know that thousands of our Watermark family wasn't with us when we gathered on Saturday night, and um, we lamented what is happening in our world. We spent an extended time in corporate prayer. We talked a lot about um, where our world is today. And then we had a message on Sunday that my friend David Leventhal recorded on Thursday that didn't address some of the same things that we talked about um, for well over an hour on Saturday night. And so we thought it'd just be really helpful just to um, maybe capture some of that for many of our friends who aren't ready yet to gather even outside, and we totally understand why um, a lot of folks weren't there, but we thought maybe we could be together right now. Let me just start by saying, you know, whenever I speak, I always remind myself of what Solomon said, which is that the words of the wise make knowledge acceptable, but the mouths of fools spout folly. I, I, I don't ever want to spout folly. I want to get out of the way of the message that I want to share. It also is humbling that so many of you wanted to hear me say some things as uh, the leader and the pastor of Watermark, as a, a spiritual leader, as a leader in our community in general, folks go, Tata, I want to hear from you. And some have even said, I want to hear from you because you're a white leader. And then others might even go, I don't want to hear from you because you're a white leader. I don't want any cultural appropriation. I don't need to hear from you. And so I'm already making some groups mad because I, um, I'm speaking, and uh, I think there have been some folks frustrated because they haven't heard me speak. I, I try and share my personal thoughts a lot on social media, but I don't expect everybody to care about what I post on social media. It's probably healthy if you're not on social media. But it breaks my heart when people say, why haven't you said something? And I have. And um, I have for some time, specifically about this topic. Um, you know, a lot of folks, there's no way for you to know my story. I grew up in a mixed-race community, um, had friends of uh, different melanin, different uh, races, as the world would call it, but I don't believe we have different races. I believe there's one race. There's one God, one Father, one Lord who is over all of us, and we're one blood. I believe in tribalism. Um, I believe that there are different people groups. But I believe that we have one Father and one Lord and one Savior. And I believe that there's an enemy who hates us, and so he tries to divide us into different people groups or races. That's what the enemy does, and he's a liar. And I think we have to acknowledge that um, it goes without saying that the white race has exploited their majority over specifically the African-American community from the beginning of the European settlement here in America. And then certainly as our country was founded and we had this great Declaration of Independence and uh, this Constitution that talks about how there are certain unalienable rights, there was immediately a people group that was oppressed and didn't have um, the ability to pursue life and liberty and happiness because of the institution of slavery, which 
if you don't know, has never been supported in Scripture. The Bible talks about slavery, but the slavery in the Bible is not the slavery that was the imperialistic Atlantic slave trade. There's a real truth real quick on that, which I hope you watch. And I talk about that. It's always been wrong to kidnap a man and to oppress him. It's always been wrong. And no Christian, no Christ follower who genuinely studied the Scripture and followed Jesus would have ever owned or been abusive towards another human being. And none, once the institution of slavery was um, eradicated in the middle of the 19th century, um, nobody would have continued the bias and the oppression of another people, frankly, whether they're a different color or not. Um, and we see that there's all kinds of injustices in the world today. There's sex trafficking. There's the elimination of, of weak embryos. And there continues to be the abuse of one people group to another. And we know there is a history in this country specifically of white on black persecution. So I can share you a lot of statistics about um, the fact that white cops are 18.5 more times likely to be shot by a black man than a black man is to be killed by a white cop. And it just doesn't help. Um, and it seems to almost say, like, why are you upset? Look what's happening today. Well, people are upset because of what's been going on for a long time. And I joined them in being upset. Um, what we all saw happen to George Floyd, I have not heard anybody defend it. I've not heard one person defend it. I don't care what color the person was on top or what color the person was on bottom. It was awful. But I think we're being naive if we don't understand why this makes a lot of people harken back to a systemic problem where they have felt for a long time, my friends of color, that they have suffered under a majority culture. And whether or not any statistic that you could bring forth would justify that today, to just um, dismiss it because of some statistic is not being not just sensitive, but I think aware. Now, one of the things that really grieves me um, is that my friends of color need to hear me say more often that I understand their pain. Because I'm like, what is it about me that makes you think uh, I'm indifferent to your sufferings? I uh, am commanded by Christ to mourn with those who mourn. And I just want to stick in right here. And again, if you want to hear more on this, there's a real truth real quick on Black Lives Matter. Um, but I, I can remember during um, you know, the loss of life of our friend Mike Smith and uh, four other Dallas police officers when we had that incident in Dallas a number of years ago after another race-related um, officer incident, um, I can remember you know, speaking to a lot of my friends that I know knew me well. And when I just shared how you know the Black Lives Matter idea when it first came out, I kind of looked at that and my first response was, well, yeah, they matter because all lives matter was my first thought. Um, it just took me uh, um, a little listening 
to say to my friends, hey, Todd, just so you know, the reason certain people are saying this, and there's no question people have, have taken that little phrase and have, have run with it and have made it stand for something that is not helpful. But when you hear somebody say, Black Lives Matter, the right thing to do is just go, hey, help me understand what you want me to know when you say that. That's, that's just a wise way to respond. It says in the scripture that uh, a fool uh, not only does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. It says that he who gives an answer before he hears, it's a folly and a shame to him. So when somebody says to you, hey, Black Lives Matter, it's not smart to reveal your mind and say, all lives matter, because I think everybody agrees with that. What they're saying, the the people that aren't using it as an excuse to act violently, but um, what they're saying is a very humble statement. They're saying, I, I, don't, I don't feel like you think or our world thinks that I matter as much as you do. Here's just a good metaphor. If um, my house was on fire and um, I ran up to you and I said, my house matters, man, my house matters. And you looked at me and said, well, Todd, we all live in houses. All of our houses matter. Um, that wouldn't be really helpful to me. But if I said, no, no, what, I'm saying that because my house is on fire and you're just walking by like like it's not, like your house, which is not on fire, you're fine with. I'm not fine because my house is on fire. I think you would go, oh, I see now, Todd. You want me to see that your house is on fire. And we have a lot of friends who feel like um, justice is on fire and they want to know that you care and that I care. And I, I always say to my friends, man, would you forgive me that there's something about me that makes you um, believe that I don't think it matters if justice is on fire in your world because um, I'm a follower of Jesus and I don't need to put a modifier in front of justice. I don't need to care about social justice. I need to care about justice and societal injustice is underneath something I am compelled by Christ to care deeply about. So I, um, I'll let you know that, uh, you know, when people use phrases, you want to just say, what do you mean by social justice? And sometimes they mean things like identity politics and things that are going to lead to um, people believing that uh, certain people groups are always at wrong and certain people groups are entitled, and we don't see that in Scripture. And so we don't stand for it. But the fact that we have friends who live near us as Christians, as Christian leaders, as communities of faith, that we don't care about and speak for them in their pain and in their suffering means we can excel still more. I, um, I don't expect you to want to watch everything I say in social media. I don't even expect you to watch this, but I, I want you to know that I'm taking advantage of um, this opportunity so that people can know that we absolutely believe injustice is wrong. We see systemic injustice in our nation's history. If there is something that we personally have been a part of that you either perceive or that you know call us to repentance. We've taught at Watermark about redlining. We've talked at Watermark about the history of racism in our city in Dallas. And we don't do it every week because every week what we talk about is the gospel. And when the gospel is embraced, there will be repentance. 
And that gives me a chance just to make a little bit of a walk to some of the stuff that I have said recently on social media um, and just talking about this. And, um, and just tell you again that I, I'm doing this because I, I, it would grieve me if anybody at Watermark, I don't care what color you are, my, my, our, our members who are people of color or members who are not, or, or people who just know that we take the name of Jesus, if someone perceives that we here at Watermark are insensitive to suffering, that would grieve us because we know that our God is not insensitive to suffering. Jesus wept when he saw death come to his friend. And he did something about it. He's a sovereign and good God. And we need to mourn with those who mourn. And if we're not mourning ourselves when we see uh, wrong done, then we need to have an awakening in our own hearts. But there's no question that it's even more painful when somebody that you identify more closely with that looks like you, is a part of your family, is suffering. And I think some of our friends who um, share the same skin color as George Floyd feel like, hey, I feel like that happens to people who look like me way too much. And I just want to tell you, we don't want it to ever happen to anybody. And we understand why you're saying, hey, do you care that this keeps happening to people that look like me? Yes. And it grieves me that we haven't loved you in a way and spoken in a way that you know that already. So ABC News, you know, released an article that um, I copied, and it just said this. It said, massive eruptions like Minneapolis protests is what drives change. Um, experts say that riots and disruptions like are happening up there is what brings change. And I, I just disagree. Um, what brings change is repentance. What brings change is our hearts being aligned with Christ and the reason there is white on black crime, the reason there is black pain, the reason there is white on white crime and black on black crime, the reason there's pain in this world is because of sin. And we have had a national sin that we are naive to think it's going to go away because um, there was an emancipation proclamation, because um, we no longer allow there to be Jim Crow laws. Well, there's a lot of pain. I sat with a friend on, uh, well, just a few days ago, whose grandfather was born into slavery. It's not that long ago. And, and even out of slavery, as I've already said, there are policies and there is favoritism that have affected generations of people. And they don't feel as free. They feel like they've had to adapt to white culture. They feel like they don't have the privilege that whites have been given. And those feelings um, are both real and, I think, reliable many times when you go back and look at the facts. So um, our job is to educate ourselves, is to listen. Our job is to love and to empathize and to make sure that we're not a part of, um, in any way, continuing some of that um, behavior. And so I I, I hope that our just talking like this and acknowledging it, I mean, I did it for 30 minutes in a much more fluid way. It was extemporaneous um, on uh, Saturday night, just passed. But um, I just just said, hey, guys, this this is the world that we're in, and the solution is not rioting. 
The solution is Christ. The solution is love. And, you know, um, violence and chaos and brokenness is what follows continual hardness of heart. And what the scripture says in Proverbs 29.1 is that he who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. And what you're seeing is a brokenness in our country that has become, that's the fruit of the hardness of heart that we've embraced for a long time. We cannot stop teaching morals. We cannot um, hide sins of our past in a, through hardness of heart and not expect it to eventually lead to greater trouble. And so we're seeing um, right now in our land the fruit of our lack of repentance as a people. And the way to address it is to uh, repent, to listen, to love, and to um, follow Christ. So um, uh, as I put some thoughts together last week, and one of the things I would just encourage you to do, when people are saying, I just wish Watermark would say something or Todd would say something, don't just like. Some of you guys follow me on social media. Don't just like. Retweet it. Say, look, this is what they're saying. They're absolutely with us if you're a member of the black community. I, I, I called some friends of mine who tweeted out, man, where are the white pastors and why aren't they speaking out in the midst of this? And, and I, I reached out to him and I just said, hey, man, I go, I don't expect you to track everything I'm saying, but when people know we're friends and you say that, they, they assume that none of your white pastor friends have been talking about this. And I, I just want to tell you, I have, and it grieves me that... Um, that you don't know that. I mean, I can't pick up the phone and call everybody, and I don't expect everybody to follow me. But before we say, none of my white friends or none of my black friends are, let's watch our words, right? I think always and never are not good words to use when we're describing a situation. So violence um, doesn't bring change. I think we all know that. Right? Violence brings pain and sadness. I'm just reading you tweets, things that are out there. And if the kindness of God does not lead us to repentance, then he's going to let the discipline that pain offers bring about repentance. And um, that's where I went and read from Hosea 5. It's something you might want to do. And it's um, Hosea talks about how God's going to let us experience just the consequences of our sin. We have a national sin, and it is we put in God we trust on our money, and we don't trust in God. We say we're one nation under God in our pledge of allegiance to our flag, and we're not one nation under God. We are a nation divided, and identity politics, and grouping people by tribe or by what the world would call race is never going to lead to peace. There is somebody who wants to divide us. And it's not the God of the Christian. Christ died to bring an end to the dividing wall and to take care of the enmity which existed between the Jewish race and the Gentile race. And Jesus says that what's going to mark us is the love that he has for the Father and the Father has for him being known in us. In other words, that we would be one as the Trinity, as the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. And so... To my friends um, who look different than me, who need to hear um, me say uh, that I'm one with you, I grieve with you, 
Uh, I don't understand your pain, but I want to mourn with you and as best I can understand your pain. I want you to hear me say it. I want you to hear me say what I think a lot of people that I know, my friends who follow Jesus with me here at Watermark that are white like me would say to you if they had a chance to talk to you personally, and that is, will you forgive us that you don't know that loudly without having us to say it in moments like this? And let's work together so that you can say, well, I, I got all kinds of friends who are white, who are grieved as I am over this. Any Christian should be grieved at racism, injustice, and apathy towards anything that breaks the heart of God. So um, we just felt like it was appropriate to film this because um, not all of us were together on Saturday. And uh, some folks even watched the message Sunday, which my friend David recorded a couple days earlier, and thought, why didn't they talk about it? Sunday's not the time always to make a bunch of social commentary. We talk about the thing that changes society. But uh, in this case, you know, uh, we think it's appropriate to say the gospel always affects society. It always should affect how we live in our world. And so we talk about stuff here that is all around us. I, I, uh, I do a real truth real quick on life, leadership, and the world we live in and what Jesus thinks about it. So the world we live in, it's got a lot of pain. And I don't want to be a part of it. I want to mourn with those who are experiencing it. I know that Jesus is the solution. And Jesus cares about injustice. And I am supposed to be his hands and feet. And if God's given me position or power or influence to use it, I want people to see me using it. And I want you to join me in being instruments of peace. So let's mourn with those who mourn. Let's rejoice together in the hope that we have that this world is not our home. And just know that we love you. I love every single member of Watermark. I'm so pleased to be a part of a body that is as racially diverse as we are. And I guess I'll close with this, you know, because we, we talked about this on Saturday. Um, racial diversity in a local body is not the sign of a healthy church. Jesus says you're going to know a church not by its racial diversity. The universal church that's going to stand before him one day is going to be from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. But if you have a church in the middle of Cambodia and it's only made up of Cambodians, it can be a really healthy church. Jesus says that a, um, a church should be known by its love. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. Now, I live in Dallas. It's not in some uh, central part of a third world country that doesn't have a lot of diversity. And I'm so encouraged that Watermark is increasingly diverse because all the members of Watermark that I know are loving every neighbor they meet and inviting every tribe and every nation tongue that lives in Dallas to be here. I love the fact that we have people who were born in over 70 nations that are members. We have people that attend who were born in over 90 different nations. I love the fact that um, there are literally into the thousands of people of color that go to Watermark. Now, because we've got about 20,000 folks that circle through here or cycle through here a week, it doesn't look anything but white. But there's a lot going on here. And I really love my brothers and sisters that are here that are leaning into um, uh, thousands of white people gathering who happen to love the thousands of people of color that are in our city, the tens of thousands, the hundreds of thousands, and many of them are now part of our family here and growing with us so that together in our city that is diverse, we look more and more like our city. But you need to know this. 
Our goal is not to look like our city. Our goal is to look like Christ. And I have a hunch that if we look like Christ, we will love every member of our city and they will come and seek to look more like Christ with us. So friends, I love you. I grieve at the pain you're experiencing and I grieve that you have any question that leadership here um, and members of Jesus' body here don't grieve and care with you about injustice and wrong. So let us do justice together. Let us love kindness and let us walk humbly with our Lord. Would you just forgive me for even the way this message missed you? I mean, all I want to do is follow Jesus in a way that makes him more attractive to our watching world. So pray for me. I'm praying for you and I can't wait for us to be together and seek the oneness that Christ intends. Let's go to work, church. God bless you.